0: We
1: have a at the bottom of the hour, Senator Tom Cotton is going to join me, the senator of Arkansas. He'll also be at the resurgent gathering in August. Uh, stick around for that right now. The president's c- press conference is continuing. We don't need to go back to it as he's basically jousting with the media. I- I'm guessing Pelosi got under his skin Uh, devoting that much time to the need for character witnesses to say yesterday was not as insane as the Democrats said it was, and it never is. I think Pelosi knows how to play his buttons. Uh, and today is confirming for her that the president does, in fact, want to try to be impeached. We'll get to that uh, right now, though. It is Atlanta's Evening News. I am Eric Erickson. The phone number is 404 872 750 WSB Talk. One of the things that the president was asked by a reporter is "Is Nancy Pelosi says you want to be impeached. Do you want to be impeached? Well, I don't think anybody really wants to be impeached. But da, 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 he, he could have just said no, but he didn't. It was very interesting if you if you heard him say it. Uh, Because I think the president does believe, and I know enough people who know the president to know the president believes that... It helped Bill Clinton to be impeached. It helped the Democrats uh, for the Republicans to impeach Bill Clinton. And the president thinks that this would help his reelection in 2020 were he to be impeached by the Democrats. And, in fact, there is polling out today that shows the American public overwhelmingly is ready to be done with the Russia stuff. In fact, uh, something like 60 percent of Americans, including a significant portion of Democrats, are done With it. They're tired of hearing about Mueller. They're tired of hearing about Russia. And they wish the media would move on to other things. So the president, I think, is playing to that. Now, what else is going on there? Well, we the president is talking about a farmer package. And the reason we're having a farmer package is because of the tariffs with China. Essentially, because China will not be buying American crops. The American government is going to pay farmers instead of letting them compete in the free market uh, because of the tariffs. So your tax dollars will go to a farmer in Iowa, uh, Iowa being a key state in 2020, of course, because the farmers can't sell their goods to China. On top of that $60 billion package, there is a $19 billion package in disaster relief that is finally going through. This includes $900 million for Puerto Rico. The president for the longest time has said he would not support any more disaster relief for Puerto Rico. He was under the impression Puerto Rico got several billion dollars that, in fact, Puerto Rico had not gotten. uh According to news reports this afternoon, Senator Perdue of Georgia and Senator Shelby of Alabama convinced the president he needed to send this money to Puerto Rico in order to get a disaster relief package for southern states. Uh, This is David Perdue showing real leadership, getting this deal through the U.S. Senate. It also blows up a key Democrat talking point against David Perdue in the run up to 2020. Uh, You've had uh, John Ossoff. And Theresa Tomlinson, the mayor you've never heard of, and and other Democrats saying that David Perdue couldn't get a deal done and the Democrats, you elect them, they'll get a deal done to help Georgia farmers. Well, they've got to say that because Stacey Abrams burned so many bridges with Georgia farmers. Remember, it was only shortly after the hurricane that Stacey Abrams went down to South Georgia and insulted the agriculture community. Talking about basically dead-end jobs in, in agriculture. People shouldn't have to work them. It really made the farm industry mad. It made the uh, service industry mad as well, the hotel industry mad and uh, Brian Kemp was able to capitalize on it. Well, the Democrats are trying to get back in the good graces of farmers, and one of the things they've been telling farmers in South Georgia is that David Perdue is not your man because he cannot cut a job. The man who claims his close relationship with the president will benefit you, can't benefit you even with a close relationship to the president. Well, guess what? David Perdue's close relationship with the president has just helped farmers in South Georgia and others get the disaster relief they needed on top of the additional package for farmers, nationwide due to tariffs, which will be overseen by the former governor of Georgia, Sonny Perdue. The Perdue boys have a very good day today in Washington, D.C. I got to ask a question, though. Not to be the proverbial poop in the punch bowl, but where are we getting the money? $60 billion to bail out farmers solely because of the president's tariffs. $19 billion for disaster relief, which is totally fair. But where are we getting the money? We're headed towards $22 trillion in national debt, and no one in Washington seems to care about it. Where are we going to get the money? And don't give me, well, we got to raise taxes, because we've got record revenue in Washington, D.C., and we're still running massive deficits. Because we don't have a tax problem, we have a spending problem. What are we going to cut to be able to fund these things? We shouldn't have to do a $60 billion farm bailout package, but we're having to because of the tariff issue. Don't tell me we're winning. We're going broke on these issues. I mean, God bless the president for fighting and, and trying to get China to, to make some concessions, but we're going broke in the process. Is this all money needed? I guess so. The $19 billion surely is for disaster relief because of the hurricanes. But the rest of it, where are we going to find the money? We can't just print more money. That will wreck the economy. This is a tried and true economic principle. It causes inflation, despite what left-wing socialist economists say. Ask Venezuela. Ask the Roman Empire. But we got to find money from somewhere. I want to tell you guys about an app I have fallen in love with. Uh, I'm so glad they sponsored the show. My buddy Jonathan Last uh, from the Sub Beacon recommended Calm to me a while back. And now my kids use it to help them sleep at night. I use it when I travel. Uh, it's just—it's a great app. Um, I'm very enthusiastic about it. Now, you're wondering, what, what is this app? What, what is calm? Well, it, you know, it's—it helps you relax. It can help you go to sleep. A lot of people just can't go to sleep when there's just absolute quiet. Calm actually can fill the background with relaxing music or with narration, with stories, with medi- guided meditation. Uh, really, really, really helpful to get you to go to sleep at night. Uh, really, really helpful when you just need to unplug for 20 minutes or so and you need to wind down. You just want to relax for a quick, you, you got a short moment, you got a breather at the office. Calm is the app for you. It really, really helps. Now, If you head to Calm.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get 25% off Calm premium subscription. It includes guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus. includes brand new meditations every day. They've got sleep stories that help you relax. You can head to the magical lavender fields of southern France with Stephen Fry. You can explore the moonlit jungles of Africa with Leona Lewis. They've even got soothing music and more. So right now... My listeners get 25% off a Calm Premium subscription at calm.com slash eric. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash eric. Get calm. Stop stressing. Go to sleep. White House press conference has just ended. The president saying Nancy Pelosi is not capable of understanding the trade deal he wants with Mexico and Canada, that she's not in her right head. Nancy Pelosi saying the president's not in his right head and needs a family intervention and a welfare check because he's not mentally sound. That got under his skin. He has paraded multiple people from his White House through this press conference, in fact, calling on people in the room randomly. Like Sarah Sanders and others to Mercedes slap to say, "Oh yeah, the president didn't actually storm out of the meeting." As the Democrats, this is all so silly. We've got China looking at this and Russia looking at this uh, with glee. We've got Iran looking at this with glee. Interestingly enough, there's a, a news item today that Dianne Feinstein, the uh, ranking Democrat in the what House in the Senate Intelligence Committee. He was seen having lunch today with Iran's foreign minister. I wonder what she's up to. And I just, man, y'all, it, it seems that the world has some serious problems right now. And our leadership in Washington, D.C. is too unserious to solve the problems on a bipartisan basis. And that's deeply frustrating. Um, and we've got massive spending issues in play. We've got massive debts. We've got the deficit. Uh, meanwhile, by the way, if we, we have time later, I want to play this audio from Stacey Abrams, who's come out today, saying that uh, she did win and that uh, because of her running on identity politics, more people than ever showed up at the polls. I thought they were all suppressed. I, I thought that everyone, uh, Stacey Abrams, lost because there were no voters. But now she's saying that she won because so many people turned out. Talk about needing a welfare check. Um, I'm I'm confused. They, she lost because of the voter suppression, and now she won because so many people turned out. I I don't know what to think about it. When we come back, though, we got to leave this behind. Senator Tom Cotton is going to join me, Senator from Arkansas. It's going to be at the Resurgent Gathering. If you want to come, text Atlanta to 345345. And also, he's got a new book out about Arlington National Cemetery. My wife loved it, and we're going to talk about it. I'm back. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's evening news on the nation's most listened to news talk station, WSB, here in our fair city of Atlanta, where traffic always sucks. The phone number, 404-872-0750, wsb talk Joining me now, and we may mostly be able to avoid talking politics, the senator from the great fine state of Arkansas, Senator Tom Cotton. Welcome to the program. How are you?
0: Hey, Eric. I'm great. Thanks for having me on, and uh, thanks for your interest in Sacred Duty as Memorial Day weekend approaches.
1: This is the perfect, perfect uh, book to talk about as Memorial Day approaches. And I've got to tell you, I texted you the other day that I hadn't been able to read it because Christy stole my copy, and now my 13-year-old is reading it because she got to lay a wreath and uh, at the tomb, and it was uh, Ruth Hanks was her guide. So oh, yeah? she, she was yeah. fascinated by it. Uh, but I mean, so for those who don't know, your, your book is Sacred Duty, a soldier's tour at Arlington National Cemetery. You were part of the old guard and you've written just, I mean, I wish Christy were here to, to just go on and on about it, but she wind up crying. So probably a good thing she's not. But tell us about why you wrote the book. Sure, Eric. I served,
0: as you said, uh, at the old guard in between my tours in Iraq and Afghanistan and It was a very special time for me. I can't think of anywhere I'd want to serve if I wasn't downrange leading troops. I probably didn't fully appreciate, though, just what a special place Arlington and the Old Guard has in the hearts of our fellow Americans until I got to Congress. Um, When Arkansans come to visit me in Washington, they will usually stay a few extra days and see the sights. And when I ask them, just as I did with a young family today, what their favorite stop was, they almost always say Arlington National Cemetery. Um, And when I travel the country, the question I get most often from people who are just meeting me for the first time is what it was like with the old guard at Arlington. I think it's a real indicator of the esteem, the respect, uh, the reverence, even the love that Americans have, not just for their soldiers, but for those who have given what Lincoln called the last full measure of devotion and been buried at Arlington.
1: Well, one of the – the things that my wife said just really struck her was you write about not just the the processes of the old garden behind the scenes but the funerals and and the amount of respect and reverence that goes into that every single time uh, with steps that could almost seemingly become monotonous and and yet they're they're carried out with as much devotion as possible every time and uh, at one point I remember she, I, I forget precisely what part she was reading of the book. But she said she was just she was exhausted from reading your description of what they were going through just just reading the description.
0: <laughs> well, it uh, it is a very elaborate process to get ready to perform funerals. First, it takes a soldier two to three months to even be ready to individually perform in the cemetery. Um, and I write in great detail in Sacred Duty about all the steps to get your uniform pressed on the industrial press machines that each company has in its basement and to build metals from scratch. Uh, to, to training on individual skills like marching to collective skills like folding a flag perfectly to a minute and 55 second standard. Um, and then once you pre- are prepared for that, you do, uh, as I write in Sacred Duty, perform as many as 20 or 30 funerals a day. And as you say, some people might think that that could get monotonous or just be the same funeral over and over again. But in reality, one of the main, um, you know, kind of ethos of the old guard is that every funeral is unique. Uh, For every family, uh, that is a a once-in-a-lifetime moment, and it's a lifetime in the making. And the old guard standard is very simple. Uh, It is perfection. Uh, They're not going to let any mistake, more that moment of honor uh, in that family's memory of their loved one, because there are no do-overs in Arlington.
1: All right. I'm uh, I'm I'm talking to Senator Tom Cotton, for those of you just tuning in. He's written a new book, Sacred Duty, a soldier's tour at Arlington National Cemetery. It's not a political book, not, not something you may expect a sitting U.S. senator to write. Um, and, uh, Senator, we live in such politicized days where even the restaurant you go to or the TV show you go to, can be politicized, and yet it just—it was refreshing to me that you've written a book about an esteemed American institution that that really transcends politics and connects with people across uh, partisanship. It's just—it it's an, a remarkable institution that really doesn't get the spotlight.
0: Yeah, Arlington truly a sacred ground, uh, it's a place that does transcend politics, partisanship, viewpoints. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or uh, Democrat, conservative or liberal, um, it could ground for all of our people, uh, which is a bit of an irony that it's become the symbol of reconciliation, healing, unity, because it was born in the ashes of the Civil War. Uh, as I write in Sacred Duty, as many people know, uh, it was uh, the plantation where Robert E. Lee and his wife Mary lived. And when he declined command of the Union Army in April of 1861, he fled to Richmond, after resigning his commission and never saw Arlington again, the Union Army crossed Potomac on the night of May 24, 1861, occupied that high ground, and they've held it ever since then. Uh, then it became a graveyard for Union war dead, uh, in part because Americans had raised arms against each other to such an extent that every cemetery in the Capitol was full. Um, but by 1883, after a long and complicated road, when Robert Ely's son, Custisley, Actually, to give you a sense of how deep the commitment or deep the commitment is to our mission, name is George Washington Custis Lee. Hey, wow. Yeah, I forgot uh, that. One won lawsuit in the Supreme Court to win title back to his old family plantation, uh, he sold it back to the uh, United States government and executed the deed uh, for Arlington. Uh, and the man who accepted that deed on behalf of the United States government was the Secretary of War, Robert Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's firstborn son. So just... Eighteen years after the Civil War, those two men, uh, whose fathers were the great antagonists in that dreadful Civil War, were able to act in concert to establish our national cemetery.
1: Can you describe, because you, you, it's referenced in a lot of the promotional material and, and referenced in the book, just uh, Section 60 of Arlington, which you refer to as the saddest acre in America.
0: Yeah, so Section 60 uh, is one of the newer sections in the cemetery, which are concentrated in the southeastern corner, they're very much working sections. Many of the cemeteries uh, sections up in the northern and western parts up in the hills are older. They're largely full, um, but section 60, like so many in the southeastern corner is active working sections. But uh, in particular, section 60 is where those who have been killed in the war on terrorism for the better part of the last 18 years have been buried. So unlike those other older sections uh, where people are visiting to be great grandfathers, ancestors from earlier generations as well, or historians, or tourists looking uh, at the old graves, uh, they're testament to the heroism and the sacrifice of the men and women uh, who have been dead in the defense of our freedom over the last 18 years. And especially on this Memorial Day weekend, there'll be thousands and thousands of visitors there, many, uh, Loved ones coming to uh, see their uh, their lost loved one once again, and while it is known popularly as the saddest acre in America, I prefer to think of it as the noblest acre
1: in America. Mm-hmm. Hey, Senator, there last question for you before we get out of here? And, and thanks again for doing this. But it, you know we're losing our World War II veterans at, at such a, a rapid pace right now. The greatest generation and their sacrifice, and I, I'm just, I, I'm I'm very curious on just your thoughts on having, it, now we, we've seen so many of the greatest generations, so many of them, our grandparents or great grandparents in some cases, dying off in, in Vietnam and Korea, and now we've got this, I, for lack of a better term almost, the, the circle of life and military service in this country of, of younger people now because of 9-11 coming in, and, and just the common ties that bind these people to their service to the country?
0: Yeah, anyone who has served their country in uniform, and especially those who've been on the front lines, whether it's in Afghanistan today or whether it was in Normandy 75 years ago, have a special kind of kinship and camaraderie. Now, that uh, that experience is much less widely shared today than it was in World War II or in the first 30 or so years of the Cold War when we ha- had a draft of compulsory service. Uh, But those kind of ties that bind, uh, you know, cross the generations. And you can see that in Arlington, as I write in Sacred Duty, um, as soldiers from all generations share that soil as their eternal resting place.
1: Senator, listen, I I know you're you're busy, and now you've got this this disaster relief bailout up there that's been negotiated, and the farm bill and everything else coming down the pike, so I appreciate you taking time out to talk about this book. Again, Christy wants you to know she wishes she could be here, but she would wind up crying. She absolutely loved the book. I promise I will read it, but my 13-year-old is reading it right now.
0: Well, I I hope uh, the 13-year-old enjoys it as well, and give my best to her, and uh, I hope uh, that all of you are uh, having a very blessed
1: uh, and peaceful Memorial Day weekend. You too. Thanks very much. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, his new book is out, Sacred Duty, A Soldier's Tour at Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, I did not do so ahead of time. Give me the commercial break, and I'll have a link for it um, that I can I can text out to you if you want to want a link to order the book. Uh, again, I, I have not had a chance to read it. My wife, though, thoroughly thoroughly loved this book Uh, and now my 13 year old is is reading it and she as well is just captivated uh, by this book sacred duty a soldier's tour at arlington national cemetery by senator tom cotton of arkansas we'll be back If you would like to order Senator Tom Cotton's new book, Sacred Duty, you can do so by texting WSB to 345345. You'll get back a link to Amazon where you can order Senator Tom Cotton's new book. Again, text WSB to 345345 you will get that book back. Uh, And yes, I do actually every time, just so you know, I ask for an email address. The reason I ask for an email address is because um, the spam sometimes gets into the system and I get charged. The station doesn't pay for this. I do out of my own pocket. And when spam gets involved, um, it drives up my cost. So I have discovered that if I ask for an email address, the, the spam bots can't actually do it. And a lot of other people don't either. So uh, saves me some money at least by asking for email, and you may get signed up for my morning email. You can unsubscribe if you want, but nonetheless, you'll get a link uh, to Amazon where you can get Tom Cotton's uh, Sacred Duty. It, it just it's it's a great book about Arlington. It's not a political book. He worked for he served in the Old Guard, performing the ceremonies and rituals of Arlington National Cemetery, performing the funerals that happened there, and. Uh, it, it it covers it. It, it covers the women. I, I've mentioned before, I, I talked about it with him on air. My daughter, Lady Aretha, at the Tomb of the Unknowns, and Ruth Hanks, Sergeant Ruth Hanks, who is the fourth woman to serve the old guard. She was there, and it just, it's just it's kind of a remarkable thing. So uh, feel free to text WSB to 345-345-345. To get the book. When we come back, we got to shift into politics. Texas passing a Chick-fil-A protection act, uh, firing up progressives who are bringing out their inner totalitarians in their opposition to the law, and also uh, progressives seeking to ruin Georgia's economy over politics. Yep. Welcome. It is Atlanta's Evening News here on WSB. I'm Eric Erickson, and the phone number, if you want to talk to me, is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB talk. Chick-fil-A has legislation. They're calling it the Chick-fil-A bill. It actually doesn't have anything directly to do with Chick-fil-A, indirectly to do with Chick-fil-A, though, in Texas. And it is legislation that... The, uh, the state of Georgia might want to consider, even though the film industry, I'm sure, will complain yet again. We'll, we'll get to that part of it. But uh, a, you probably have heard the story, the city of San Antonio, Texas, prohibited Chick-fil-A from opening a, a franchise inside the San Antonio airport, which, if you've ever been to San Antonio, is desperate for good restaurants. Um, and they did so because, according to multiple members of the city council, Chick-fil-A's founders have given money to Christian organizations. Uh, one of the organizations that uh, the San Antonio City Council was outraged by was the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. No, I'm not making that up. I wish I was. Yeah, they, they were upset that that Chick-fil-A was giving money to that, that, that close-minded, bigoted group, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and also... To the Salvation Army. Now, again, I'm I'm not making that up. That that actually is real. They that's why members of council voiced their opposition. In addition, uh, they did not like that the Kathy family that owns Chick fil A has given money to Christian advocacy groups, including those opposed to gay marriage. That is actually it's unconstitutional. Um, it, it is unconstitutional because. Uh, people have the right to free expression and people have the right to freedom of assembly and the government cannot interfere with those rights. And a government saying you cannot do business with this, with our government, because you give money to organizations that we don't like, uh, that's actually discriminatory. Uh, It is the city of San Antonio discriminating against a Christian organization. Uh, That's not even a Christian organization. It just has Christian owners. And if Chick-fil-A had wanted to sue, they could have sued the city of San Antonio, but Chick-fil-A, they're, they're better people than the city of San Antonio's leadership, and so they didn't. But they had a constitutional claim if they wanted to press it. Well, nonetheless, undeterred, the Texas legislature passed legislation—that, by the way, overwhelmingly popular in Texas— Uh, Among Democrats, Republicans and independents, a majority of all of them, including Democrats, support the legislation, saying that local governments in Texas cannot discriminate against any individual or business for the political or charitable donations of the individuals or businesses. That's all it says. So if you have an individual that gives money to Planned Parenthood... And you represent a conservative city? Well, you can't say, I'm not going to give you a city contract because you give money to Planned Parenthood. If you give money to a Christian advocacy organization, you give money to the Southern Baptist Convention, for example. Uh, uh, the city of Athens, if we had something like this in, Geor- in Georgia, the city of Athens would not be able to... <laughs> I pulled the microphone forward towards me, and it snapped back. I was not expecting that. Um. Anyway, if you're a Christian and you give money to a Christian group, the, you, the city of Atlanta or Athens, if we had this in Georgia, wouldn't be able to say, yeah, you can't get a city contract because you've given money to a Christian organization. It's good for the goose. good for the gander. And it's it's great law. Now, this shouldn't be happening in California now. You know, you, you've got um, – uh, independent contractors in Los Angeles have to provide details to Los Angeles of independent giving of the owners of the corporations, and they're not going to give contracts to people who've given money to the NRA. This is just the latest way the left is weaponizing transparency, and, and Texas is having none of it, and most people tend to agree. Well, so closer to home. Uh, We've got a situation where the left is willing to weaponize the economics in the state to prevent legislation from being passed. You know, I I got a lot of, lot of angry emails from people after my monologue last night. Um, By the way, if you want Tom Cotton's book or you want a copy of the podcast, in fact, the the controversial segment I pulled out as a standalone podcast for people to listen to. And you can get the link there. Just text WSB to 345345. You'll get the link to the Senator Tom Cotton's book. You'll also get a link to the podcast, uh, Google Play and and iTunes. Uh, But the point I made last night is, is, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I am willing to uh, take the economic hit to protect life. And there were a whole lot of angry people who emailed last night and tweeted and Facebook messaged and Instagram messaged and on and on. I mean, just outright uh, deluge of angry people. Uh, a lot of them who listen, I didn't realize I had so many so many liberals in the film industry listening to my show, but yet I apparently do because they all emailed angry. I'm going to be out of a job because of this legislation. I'm, I, You know, every single person in the world makes their decisions of what is right and what is wrong based on their sense of morality. Uh, it's not legislating my morality, except it is because every single person does it. Uh, just as the left wants to be able to prohibit Chick-fil-A from building a restaurant in a, a an airport, a city government wants to prohibit them from building a restaurant in a city airport uh, because they don't like the morality of Chick-fil-A. I don't want to fund, pay for, subsidize, or allow abortion because I'm a Christian, and I think life is more important than than money. And so I'm willing to take the economic hit for my values. And I got so many liberals angry, and I'm like, wait, wait a second. You're doing the exact same thing here. You are willing to sabotage the economy. You're willing to kill off jobs so that you can keep killing off babies. I mean, that, that's ultimately what it what amounts to is— I, I want to save lives, and so I'm willing to ban this procedure. And if it costs economically, okay. And the left is saying we're willing to take a financial hit. We're willing to lose our jobs so that we can keep killing kids. I mean, is there nothing sacred on the left? You, you, you want to kill off the economy and kill off kids? It just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. By the way, I I realize people get totally offended when I say you're killing kids, but that's what you're doing. Let's not hide behind the euphemism. Uh, That's what abortion is. You're killing a human being. You you may say it's a fetus. I, I saw a picture today of some college girls calling it a parasite. It's a human being. Now, we don't need to dwell on this. I'm so tired of this issue. But what we're seeing is economically, uh, progressives in this country are now weaponizing areas of life that used to not be weaponized, including government transparency, including uh, the economy. They're willing to sabotage economically various states because those states, the majority of the people in those states disagree with them on uh, issues. They are willing to weaponize uh, public disclosures and discriminate against and uh, Prohibit the state from doing business with organizations they disagree with. You, you've got the um, the BDS situation, and, and I, you know, I always say Bush Derangement Syndrome. So what is it? It's it's uh, boycott, divest. I forget what the S is on, on Israel. Uh, weaponizing all of these things economically, transparency, you name it, to harm conservatives, to harm things they don't like. There's a guy over in South Carolina, West Donahue, I, I've, I've met him several times, he's a political consultant over there. He's a um, partner at a brewery in South Carolina. The other partners pushed him out the door of the brewery because he announced on Twitter that he was pro-life and he supported the Alabama law. And, and the brewery came in, was targeted by abortion rights activists, and the other partners got scared and they they threw him out of the partnership, which they could do under the rules of the partnership. Uh, don't 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 say— that I'm willing to take the economic hit. The left is willing to take the or more importantly, they're willing to have others take the economic hit. The the Hollywood People who are doing this, that they're not going to be hurt economically, but they're perfectly happy for you to be hurt economically so that Georgia has to reflect their values. By the way, so I was having lunch today um, with a friend, a uh, new friend, uh, met on Instagram, no less. Uh, we're having lunch today, and we're talking about this, and he said he thought it was deeply ironic that essentially uh, what the Hollywood industry is doing is saying, hey, uh, we're going to make Georgia even more conservative by having all of our liberals who work in Georgia move out of the state. So they will suddenly take a swing state off the table for 2020. Hmm, that's what they're willing to do. They're willing to make this about economics. I'm totally willing to make it about economics too. And you know what? I'm totally willing to take the economic hit. But so are they. They just don't like to admit it. I want to tell you guys about an app I have fallen in love with. Uh, I'm so glad they sponsored the show. My buddy Jonathan Last uh, from the Sub Beacon recommended Calm to me a while back. And now my kids use it to help them sleep at night. I use it when I travel. Uh, it's just, it's a great app. Um, I'm very enthusiastic about it. Now you're wondering, what, what is this app? What, what is Calm? Well, it, you know, its it helps you relax. It can help you go to sleep. A lot of people just can't go to sleep when there's just absolute quiet. Calm actually can fill the background with relaxing music or with narration, with stories, with medi- guided meditation. Uh, really, really, really helpful to get you to go to sleep at night. Uh, really, really helpful when you just need to unplug for 20 minutes or so and you need to wind down. You just want to relax for a quick, you, you got a short moment, you got a breather at the office. Calm is the app for you. It really, really helps. Now, If you head to Calm.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get 25% off Calm premium subscription. It includes guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus. Includes brand new meditations every day. They've got sleep stories that help you relax. You can head to the magical lavender fields of southern France with Stephen Fry. You can explore the moonlit jungles of Africa with Leona Lewis. They've even got soothing music and more. So right now... My listeners get 25% off a Calm Premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash Eric. Get calm. Stop stressing. Go to sleep. It is... 26 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB, and I want to go to Les in Dallas. You're up next. Welcome. Hello. Hi, hi there. Hi, this is Les Carter. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I enjoyed your uh, segment on the Arlington Cemetery, um, and I had the same experience. Uh, my parents are both buried there. My, my father was in the uh, World War II and he is buried just down the hill from uh, JFK, huh. the Eternal Flame. Wow. Um, and I just want to, I appreciate you bringing that segment up. It was, uh, gave me chills. Um, I've been there twice and the place is just, uh, amazing. The, uh, uh the
0: quietness and you can hear taps throughout the day because of the funerals
1: mm-hmm. and,
0: uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that book uh, that you were talking
1: yeah well about. Look, look I will make it easy for you and thanks for calling in all all, all any of you have to do is text WSB to three four five three four five and I'll send you back a link so that you can order Tom Cotton's book it it really is a a, a fantastic book uh, if you we'll try to re air the interview you can always get the podcast as well if you text WSB to three four five three four five you'll get the podcast link as well um, as as Senator Cotton's book. My wife absolutely loved the book, and she wasn't sure that she would. She wasn't sure what it was about. I assured her it wasn't a political book, uh, and it, it wasn't. It was a history of the Old Guard. The Old Guard being um, the what is it, Third Infantry, and they have the they guard the Tomb of the Unknowns, and they perform the funeral. They also uh, oversee presidential funerals, and he writes about all of this in the book. It's it just it's it's a fascinating, detailed uh, exposition on what the old guard goes through. Now, when we come back, you heard about the SAT adding adversity scores? Yes, they're adding that. Hi there, it's Eric Erickson. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. It is Atlanta's evening news. Uh, you know what? I've already got Brett from Holly Springs wants to talk about what I want to talk about, so I'm going to talk to Brett about what I want to talk about. Brett, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm great. So this SAT adversity score thing, what, what, what do you think about the SAT? Well, um,
0: what they're doing is basically they're quantifying what is already going on right now? So they're just putting a number to it, to victimhood, basically. Yep. So and so it, the the way to fight this is that everybody has a right to know what goes into determining
1: whether or not they get entered into a college. SAT is hiding the scores from the students, and that should not be allowed in Georgia. You're absolutely right, and I've got a huge frustration with the SAT to begin with Brett I appreciate the phone call uh, so, and for those of you who you haven't heard the Wall Street Journal broke the story you know the SAT is supposed to measure your your academic prowess but they're doing something new they're assigning every student who takes the SAT a, and, um, well, they're not calling it a diversity score because that could lead to a lawsuit. They're calling it an adversity score. It's not a diversity score. It's an adversity score. The Daily Signal has the story. In fact, if you follow me on Twitter at E.W. Erickson, you should tweet me and say hi. You know, you do have to follow me in order for me to see your tweets, but I'm going to tweet this out so you can actually read this um, at the, the Daily Signal and, and get this. The adversity score from the um, the SAT is going to track the hardship of the test taker circumstances. So it'll include 15 factors that include the socioeconomic status of the student, the neighborhood crime rate, and the parental education level. Race won't explicitly be a factor, but the people who have helped the college board come up with this are saying it's to get to race without getting to race. In other words, if the SAT were to ask whether a student is is black, white, male, female, gay, straight, um, what have you, they could have lawsuits for discrimination, but they know if you live in a high crime area in a single family home and in an urban area, the odds are you're, you're minority. You're not white and they want to give bonus points to you. Now, you, you know who this hurts the most. There is a minority group that is actually hurt by this, the Asian community. And that has a lot to do with why they're doing it, because of Harvard University. Harvard discriminated against Asian students because Asian students were too successful. And Harvard is being sued by an Asian student society. And most outside experts looking at how arguments have gone in the case, they expect Harvard to lose this case. And so Harvard needs a way to keep discriminating against Asian students without explicitly discriminating against Asian students. And Harvard and the college board have come up with the adversity score. Why? Because uh, predominantly Asian students tend to live in well-off neighborhoods of two-parent families with low crime rates and, and high scores and everything else. I mean, this has a lot to do with discriminating against Asian students, a lot to do with it, because Harvard's going to lose that case. Now, the Daily Signal points out uh, another way this score could be used against certain minority students. Not that liberals on liberal academics would do this, but what if you had a student who applied to a college whose grades weren't great, but one of their, their extracurricular activities was they had lived in Costa Rica during the summer and had done all sorts of mission work and whatnot in Costa Rica. And the college administrator looks at it and says, "You're based on your adversity score, your score is too high. There's no way you could have possibly lived in Costa Rica because your family was too poor to send you. Now, I actually think that it's more likely that what they'll do is they will use it and say, oh, nope, rich white kids and Asian students... This is our way to still discriminate against you as opposed to the academic. Now, listen, I want to say something here to my conservative friends. It it is a fact that poor students do not do well on standardized tests and that transcends race. And it doesn't mean that they are academically bad. It means that they have not learned the skill sets to take tests, which is deeply ironic because in public schools across this country now, that's all students do is take standardized tests that don't actually learn anything. And a common core has a lot to do with that. We have screwed up our kids and are now finding new ways to screw up academics to fix the screwing up that's already happened. But I do think there is something to be said for having kids of diverse backgrounds going to college together. So it's not all black, it's not all white, it's not all Asian. The problem is that just as in so many Fortune 500 companies and in in news corporations, in newsrooms across America, and in colleges – Newsrooms and, and college campuses and whatnot, they love to have an interracial mix. They they want to have uh, x number of transgendered people. They want to have x number, y number of gay people, z number of straight people, a number of 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 female and male and black and white and Asian and and mixed race. But everybody's going to be uniformly liberal in their thought, and if they're not, that's a problem. Uh, the left loves to practice diversity so long as it's only skin deep. If you think for yourself, God help you. And that's a real problem. But the College Board, again, I, I can't help but think the Wall Street Journal is absolutely right here that Harvard is going to lose a case. Harvard discriminated against, allegedly, uh, Asian students on their college campus. And Harvard needs a way to keep discriminating. And they've come up with this new way to discriminate against people. Um, You can't just take the SAT anymore. You have to also be assigned an adversity score by the SAT that's going to factor in. And by the way, the student's not allowed to know it. Student won't know what the adversity score is. I personally think maybe it's time to stop taking the SAT. I I took the ACT anyway. I didn't take the SAT. but. Maybe it's time to stop valuing standardized tests altogether. And in additionally, in secondary education, let teachers actually teach. Believe it or not, I, I've I've got a recommendation not not for you ladies, uh, for the guys. I, I I mentioned I was going to get my hair cut at this barber shop I saw over in Westside Provisions, the Commodore. I did. Uh, multiple people have commented on my hair. It was kind of nice. They didn't know who I was. Um, it was just it was, it was a great place. They got one in Chamblee too. Uh, the Commodore. It's just it, I like barber shops. Uh, and you know I love the lady who cuts my hair. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I my wife and I go to the same. She's fantastic and has been cutting my hair for a decade or more. Um, this is just a neat place. I I just I love the West Side Provisions area too. Uh lots of good shops, uh Marcel, JCD Kitchen, China Coffee, Brash Coffee, and the like. It's just it's a neat little area. I'm just impressed with uh the remodeling and the rebuilding of that area. There are lots of places like that in Atlanta. The downside, of course, is though the the gentrification that happens, the AJC's done several stories about this as property values are increasing, longtime residents having to move out. It's it's a sad trade-off to some degree. But it's it's nice to see some of these neighborhoods coming back alive, crime going down, new businesses coming in. I love exploring little places like that in Atlanta. There are so many now to explore. One day we're just going to have to do Exploration Day on the show.